Hey, welcome to Knowles 24-7's On the Bench podcast. This is Brendan Sinone, and I'm recording this podcast from a bathroom in a hotel room. It's like a hostage situation. Hi, guys. Well, I I feel you. I'm moving out of my place tomorrow into a new house, so my internet's out, so I'm recording this from my girlfriend's house, so we're even. That's the voice of Josh Newberg, and I I can see him on the Skype right now, and I, I told him right before we started recording, he does look like he just drove five hours after working for, like, 48 hours straight. So, but you know, it's a well-deserved uh, fatigue because you and Chris both worked pretty diligently this weekend. Yeah, it was fun though. We were busy, but it was a good busy. Chris, how do you feel? You doing well? I feel good, man. Let's get this party started. All right. Yeah. Let's yeah. get the nice cities out of the party. way. It's weird when Chris has the most energy out of anyone. It's, it's a weird place to be, but, but let's, let's get going here. It was a productive weekend for Florida state to say the least. I think that's an understatement. We're coming off the heels of Saturday Night Live, FSU's annual, uh, basically invite-only recruiting event under Willie Taggart. Last year was productive. They got a bunch of big names on campus. This year, they didn't have as many big names on campus, but man, the ones they did, uh, the production of getting commitments and getting inroads and making headway, uh, this was a really, really big weekend, I think, for the staff. I think if we look, if Willie Taggart ends up having a nice long tenure at FSU. I think this weekend is one that's going to be in the clip notes of, of one that was a warning shot for the rest of uh, whether the ACC or, or other opponents of FSU were on the recruiting trail. It's one that showed a lot with what this staff can do when it's focused, when it has the ability to get good recruits, uh, not on camp, not just on campus, but but make the inroads with those guys over a period of time. This was a, a, a big weekend. And Chris, am I being hyperbolic there with saying this This was maybe a defining moment for, for FSU with, with what happened in the last 48 hours or so? No, the last 48, 72 hours for them has been a pivot point. It's a, Somebody asked me to describe it today in one word. I said momentum. They're at 19 commitments, but in reality, we think they're probably more at 21, maybe even 22 at this point. They addressed some major needs. They got guys on campus. They got the guys they expected to get on campus on campus. They hit at a very high rate for the list they expected, which is a good thing. It shows realism. It shows they've made adjustments. The event itself, very efficient, run very well. People had fun. The prospects enjoyed themselves. Their families enjoyed it. The families of other players' commitments already to FSU that were there did a lot of good things for FSU as far as helping convince other young men's families that it's a good place. It, it was a good weekend after a year of a lot of frustration and things falling apart recruiting last year because of a poor season on the field and, you know, everything that's happened, it, it feels like a breath of fresh air for this program for what they're trying to accomplish. And it shows the strength of what they're capable of when the ball does get rolling the right way. Now, obviously they need to win games. That's important. There were prospects, Savelle Smalls, for example, spoke about the need to see an improved product on the field. It's certainly one of those things that's still there, but you can't control that in July. You can't go out and play a game in July. Everything they could do this weekend to have a successful weekend, they did. They executed at a high level, had a great deal of success. I thought it was outstanding. Yeah, I was um, in agreement with Chris. We spent a lot of today kind of recapping and reminiscing on the weekend and um even the week leading up to this. And I think one of the reasons why this camp was so successful and this Saturday night live was so successful is because they made it simple. Um, they made it more about the recruits themselves and the relationships between the coaches and the, and the players. Um, they kind of stripped down 
a little bit from last year, a lot of the, the glitz and glamor, um, they didn't in, they didn't have a big push to get the, the public out to the event. I think that took some pressure off of them. Um, the jumbotron wasn't going, they weren't hosting dozens and dozens of former players on the sidelines to worry about. They didn't have former players giving speeches in the locker room before it was more simplified, um, just stripped down a little bit. Other than the bounce houses. Uh, no, that was, uh, that was actually pretty cool. That was a nice touch. Yes. The fact that they, they got them on the field on time. They did a quick, efficient workout. Cause let's be honest, these guys are all takes. So this isn't the same camp that we see in June where you have the coaches working hand in hand with these players for multiple sessions at a time. This is more about just getting on the field, going to run some routes and, and getting off the field. And that's what they did. They didn't overthink it. And then they took them to dinner afterwards. Um, and they did a great thing with the IPF. They split it in two uh, right at the 50 yard line. And they had an entrance um, very well done. The production level was good, just enough. But half the field was covered with round tables and chairs. Uh, they did a big barbecue buffet for the players and their parents. Coaches just kind of milled around and interacted with everybody throughout the meal. And then on the far side, um, what we reported in the live thread was that they had bounce houses. But they're really – I don't even know what you call these things because they weren't the actual bounce house. Like the one that I wanted to get on with Chris was the jousting one where it's just like – it's just the blown up. It looks like a boxing ring or something, and they give you these big jousting sticks, and you go at it. Um, but Chris didn't want any. Do you blame him? As a man with, as a man with two children, ten and under, I can tell you that when a kid of that age walks into a building and sees bounce houses, it's the greatest thing to happen in their life that day. <laughs> and it was funny. We were waiting at the entrance, kind of keeping an eye on who was coming in, how they were coming in, if they were coming in with a coach, things like that. And I had a kid, probably six, seven, eight years old, around that age probably closer to six walk in younger brother of a prospect, pretty good prospect. And he saw that bounce house and his <laughs> head immediately exploded off his shoulders. People were mocking it, making fun of it. It's brilliant. You occupy the young kid in a family and allow the family to kind of separate and have the prospect and or the parent have undivided attention with the coach you're dealing with. While the little ones having a great time and not driving mom or dad nuts. It's important. Like it, people look for things to mock and be stupid about. It was idiotic when people were making fun of that opposing fan bases where they can do what they want to do. But the bounce houses were actually like, a it, it's a subtle detail that was well executed. And I think it kind of showcases how the weekend as a whole was well executed. Mm-hmm. All right. So I, as we set up the show here, I think there's like three or four things that we're going to get into. One is the commitments that we know so far. There are three that we know, confirmed, they're out there, they're public. There are two ring rings that are just floating out there. There's two more. We'll get into those as well. There's a general breakdown analysis of what we saw this weekend, guys who stood out to us, our evaluations, uh, and, and just a general recap of, of who was there, who showed up, your guys' perception of of one, what you saw, but then two, uh, what you learned, who you talked to, all that stuff. So where do we want to start? Do we want to go with the commitments that we know on hand or just a general overview of, hey, of who showed up? Brandon, the people want the hits. They, Give they them want, the hits. They want, they the, want the big news. All right, let's go over the commitments. The first one to come through uh, was Lloyd Willis, a at the time unranked uh, offensive tackle from Miami, but a guy who, Chris, I'm going to ask you to start talking about Lloyd. 
because you got to watch him. You have an affinity affinity for for watching the trenches. Big men love big men, I guess, type of deal. Uh, but but you liked what you saw of him. You thought he was a really raw prospect, a guy who, well, he only had offers from FIU, UCF, a couple others. But but you saw the potential in him before he committed. You liked what you saw of him on Saturday, and then FSU obviously gets him on board. What generally did you think of him? He's a six 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 seven type kid, around three hundred pounds, long arms, athletic feet, big body, not sloppy, plenty of space to add, uh, you know, to move the weight around and kind of add strength to him as he learns. He's not a day one guy, but he's a guy that, you know, if he did not sign in the early signing period, he's the kind of guy in January suddenly he's elevated to this whole different level of recruit that FSU kind of got early. He's a developmental type, but he's a talented kid. I also noticed when he was working on the field that when he did do something incorrectly or he maybe didn't execute a fundamental to the level he needed to, he was very attentive to Randy Clements. And when he had to go back and do it again or, you know, take another rep, you could tell that he was trying to apply what he had just been taught, which is always a good thing that a kid's attentive in a setting like that, not overly nervous. And he was excited to come in. I mean, he's the kind of guy that he's a South Florida kid. He's a little bit under the radar. A lot of people were evaluating him. Very few have pulled trigger on an offer, but I think he's the guy that with senior film, he probably would have seen an escalation and interest. FSU went ahead, slam dunked it, got it. I don't want to say he's Charles Cross because I don't think his ceiling's a Charles Cross ceiling. I don't think he's a kid that's going to flirt with five-star status. I don't want to compare him to that. But my point more so is that his status as a recruit is going to improve on a scale similar to kind of how Charles Cross went where he became very popular with a lot bigger schools than he was when he committed to FSU. When Josh had his uh, his one-on-one with Charles Power, was it a few months ago, Charles had talked about, basically with offensive linemen recruiting, looking at these long, athletic, valuing maybe guys who are really raw, but are you know 6'5", 6'6", 6'7", and that range, maybe a little bit undersized with their weight, but super athletic, and there's extra value being placed on those guys because – coaches are thinking that's the body type that one works in in modern offenses and and two uh the guys you can mold maybe a little bit easier it's a crapshoot evaluating offensive alignment in general so take a guy with tremendous upside i think that what we saw will is like he kind of fits the bill there uh so i'm cool with that take uh, as long as he's not you know the only offensive tackle that you're taking which brings me to uh thomas schrader josh you were uh you were banging the drum of him being on commit watch for a while. For a while, did you think it, it sounded like it wasn't going to happen when you guys talked to him on Saturday, right? Those quotes initially were that the the three star prospect from Venice was maybe going to wait uh, throughout the season and kind of wait and see between Louisville and, and FSU what was going to happen. Lo and behold, that that wasn't the case. Yeah, man, we were almost sweating that one out, huh? Um, but Thomas Schrader made his fourth visit to Florida State. The Venice, Florida. Um, in-state prospect. He goes about six foot four. He told us he weighed in at six foot four and a half, 283 pounds. Um, he's not your prototypical tackle, but what he does bring is some versatility. I think he, his, you know, he's likely a right tackle, possibly an interior guard. Um, Florida state mixed him up when they got to see him work out. And, um, Chris, you got, or who watched more of the offensive line? Was it you or Brendan? Chris did. Big, 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 big I, boy I, watching I big boys. I sat down there. The, yep, I was down yeah, there. Yeah, you sat down there. So he, uh, how, how many reps did he get at tackle versus guard? 
Uh, he worked a majority at tackle. He actually took a couple reps on defensive line, and he worked at guard. That's I was actually hanging out with his mom and dad. They were watching because him and his brother, Jeb Schrader, were both down there. Jeb was working as a defensive end. He's a different body type than Thomas. Um, Thomas, according to his father, Thomas primarily only works at tackle. That's where he's kind of always been in his career. It's what he's comfortable at. It's what he does. But he, he, he's a good player. I, I kind of view him as a high floor, maybe somewhat low ceiling guy, but I mm-hmm. think he's a good player. He can become a better player in college. I just don't think there's a room for a ton of drastic improvement, but I think he does help you. And I think he can help you earlier in his career than, you know, a guy like Lloyd Willis, who's probably a yeah. little bit more of a developmental type. Yeah, and I agree about that. And this was his fourth visit to campus. Um, we were kind of getting worried because it was all FSU for, for much of the spring. Um, literally every time he was on campus after that first visit, we thought he could pop. And then all of a sudden he decides to take a visit to Louisville on May 31st. And he kind of just dug his heels in and wasn't ready to pull the trigger. He said he wanted to do it sometime during the dead period early on. That time went came and passed. Um, whenever we would reach out to him, he would just kind of say, I don't know, uh, whenever we would ask for a timeline for a decision, but I think his parents were on board. Um, Chris said something to me when we were leaving Saturday night live about, um, something his father said, um, did you get the feeling that they were just ready for him to make this decision? Yeah, I think they were comfortable with it. Um, and talking to his dad, I think the biggest holdup was the relationship with Dwayne Ledford. Right. He's the offensive line coach for Louisville. He came from NC State. Thomas had a great relationship with him. I think it's one of those where it was kind of tough to tell that guy no because he'd known him so long and dealt with him so long. You got to remember his relationship with Clements only really goes back to February. He was offered by Greg Fry, I think literally the day before Greg Fry got canned, if I remember correctly. I believe that's what his father said. So he kind of had a short-term relationship with one coach compared to a longer-term relationship with the other. And I think the other thing is one FSU extended a PWO offer to his brother. There's potential he ends up at FSU. Mm-hmm. It's not certainty. Some other schools like James Madison, for example, are kicking the tires on Jeb. Jeb's going to work at D-end outside linebacker for Venice. He's an undersized kid, but he's a hard-nosed football player. He might get a shot somewhere else if he wants to take it. It's not necessarily that he will definitely be at FSU. But he, I talked to Jeb some today after Thomas committed. I don't think he's opposed to the idea of potentially continuing to play with his brother. They're a very close-knit family. There's an older brother. He was also there this weekend. He's a baseball kid. Juco, he's had elbow surgery or shoulder surgery. I can't remember specifically which one. Pitcher, you know, he's working back. But they're, they're all real close. Mom, dad, all three brothers, very, very tight-knit family. So I think that was part of it. Distance probably played a factor in that sense, too. Also, as an in-state kid who's a very intelligent young man, he's going to get some scholarships from the state. He's also going to have the FSU scholarship. So financially, it's also advantageous for him to go FSU in that sense. I don't think that was a huge factor, but it's one of those things that I think it was among the factors that kind of influenced the idea of FSU over Louisville. And another reason fans should be excited about this one is because Schrader held off for so long because he was adamant that when he made his commitment, he wanted it to stick. Um, I don't believe this is going to be a case of uh, another team coming in and swiping him. I feel good about this one. Florida State now has, what is it, three offensive linemen commits. Um, and all of a sudden, they have two, or sorry, four. They have, now they have two yeah. interior guys. We project Zane Her- Herring 
and Alex Akavich to be more interior, while Thomas Schrader and Lloyd Willis are going to compete on the tackle positions. Um, we all know about Isaiah Walker. Uh, there's going to be a spot left open for him. Chris, what, how do you see the offensive line position shaping up from here? Well, an interesting development today, even before Schrader pulled the trigger publicly, is that Brady Ward, Mobile, Alabama offensive tackle, who they recently offered, him and his father were supposed to come in there on a tour visit. This would have been the third visit in three days. From what I understand, there was a conversation between the family and Ward and FSU, and essentially I think Ward wanted to know if he would be an immediate take and he was told essentially, no, right now he probably would not be. Because from a number standpoint, FSU is viewing as definitely wanting one more offensive tackle. But Isaiah Walker is that guy. They also like Doomerville, Marcus Doomerville, but he's a guy that has not shown mutual interest with mm-hmm. you. So at this point, Isaiah Walker is kind of that next guy. And Isaiah Walker is the best available in-state offensive tackle, one of the best available offensive tackles in the Southeast. And he was on FSU's campus for you know almost two full days this weekend, sandwiched in between two visits to Florida. It's a big three battle. He's going to enjoy himself. It's kind of tough to forecast that one. He's going to enjoy himself? <laughs> okay, he already is enjoying himself. <laughs> Thank he's you. going to continue to do that to absurd levels, potentially. But I think uh, FSU hey. feels they're legitimately in the thick of that, and they're willing to ride it out and focus on that. I think they'll have some you know backup plans at the position, mm-hmm. but I think they're kind of willing because of the position they're sitting in going into a dead period in August that they're willing to kind of push their chips in on Isaiah Walker and make him a centrally focused guy with having Roy Willis and having Thomas Schrader. They're not, you know, out there in the cold needing three or four. It's more, they need maybe one or two now. Yeah. You, they could, really... you could swing for the fences now, right? Is that. Yeah, right? for sure. I mean, to right. an extent, yeah. you still, you still want to close out your, uh, you know, your needs. So you don't want to extend yourself too far. You want to make sure that you fill these holes because for so many years in a row, we've kind of come up one guy short here or there. That's not a big deal, but it, it adds up, but heading into the season, like we've been saying, this was a nice boost because if they do win and they do put it together, then I think all the pieces fit. But if they don't, I like the guys that they have. And I feel like, you know, they can weather the storm with a majority of these guys and hang on and sign them, even if they don't have, you know, what we expect to be an eight or nine win season. And they entered this weekend needing to address needs in the sense of closing some deals. Mm -hmm. Some of those needs were needing a running back and we feel pretty confident they're going to do that Tuesday. We'll get to that. They need to add offensive linemen. They add two. They need to add a defensive end. They add Morvin Joseph, who's the next man up that we're going to talk about. You know, they need to figure out are they taking a fourth linebacker. We're going to figure that out Monday with Desmond Tisdall, a guy who worked out, who I think they're kind of evaluating simply from a number standpoint for the class. Can they fit him? I think I, I know Raymond Woody definitely likes him. I think Willie Taggart liked him off the weekend. It's more a matter of does it make sense to take this kid versus potentially having that scholarship for another position, another yeah. player. At quarterback, we saw Cade Renfro come in, potentially a guy that could be a second quarterback in the class. In the running back board beyond Jalen Knighton, who we're going to talk about regarding Tuesday, we kind of saw that work itself out some with Kaziah Holmes, Dejon Edwards showing up. A guy like Lawrence Toa Philly not being there is a little bit of a move, but then a guy like Kevon Lee shows up. So I think Thomas Schrader kind of fits on. I'm getting way ahead of myself. Typical Chris. Chris, did you eat an Adderall like 9 p.m. before this thing? 
His energy but tonight, my, uh, is, I'm enjoying it. It's crazy, though, that he's the one just leading the see, charge. I like you it. You see what a few commitments do for Chris? <laughs> just pep well, right up. So now it always makes me do podcasts at 9 a.m. I'm not a morning person. That is you get my ass in gear at 9 p.m., I'm here for the show. <laughs> um, I know. Well, well, hold on, Chris. Josh you know, has been up since 4 a.m., so he's uh, we got to strike a balance here as a staff. Yeah. Well, I feel good about uh, those two commitments. Let's talk about the third, uh, Brandon. You want to introduce I, us to I, I Morvin Joseph? Love Morvin Joseph. I legitimately like. I like to to tease on the podcast about rankings, and I know that our listeners like to ask about it. And and truthfully, I usually don't really care too much about where guys ranked at any point in the process, especially when it's not all said and done. But I, I will say this: I think Morvin Joseph is the guy that that. One, and the, the industry composite is too low. And two, the 24-7 sports ranking where we have them like at 600 and something is about 300 to 400 spots way, way too low. I think he's a top 200 player nationally. You, and that's from, you and think that's he's from top me, two? Hold on. Let me write this down, Brendan. What do you want him to be? A top 200 player nationally. He, he's, a, he's, a, he's a mid-four-star recruit. And this is coming from someone right, who's let me Let me go to work. Let me see what I can do. Yeah, can you, can you get that Berg, Berg bump? Berg, bump it. I, I do think he's. I do think he's underrated. I think his yeah. film. Uh, well, I should say highlights uh, show that he's someone who has a lot of good traits, a lot of really impressive traits. High motor, athletic, instinctive. Uh, and then Chris paid attention to him yesterday, and everything that you saw with the highlights was reflected, uh, where he was awesome, awesome, awesome. Uh, in person and i i just like him i think he's really good i think he fits a need like you guys said yeah i'm i'm all about it i'll, I'll shut up now no he's, he's yeah, one yeah. of two three shut up newberg go get the berg bump <laughs> let me talk i'm hyper got go him and manny rogers are two three-star prospects for fsu he should probably be four-star prospects on the composite that's just my personal opinion and it's not solely because they're fsu commitments i just think they're really damn good players manny rogers had a body that you would kill for and he could play on either side of ball and his best football is ahead of him. And Mormon Joseph is a dude that just goes, he's a wrecking ball who wants to go after it. We always use the word. I want a guy that can create chaos off the edge. He's that guy. He was Ooh. the best lineman regardless of offensive or defensive line at the event. There wasn't a ton of linemen. So it was kind of a short pool, but he was really, really good. And he showed a, an array of skills. He can work to the outside, has some moves to work to the inside, shoulder dip, speed, uses every inch of his length, gets after it, willing to use his hands, has excellent strength, and he just has that. I like talking to him. He's a dude that just kind of has that, like, I love playing football personality, and something about those kind of guys tend to pan out. Morvin Joseph's a guy that FSU need. He talked about how he fits the scheme that they're going to, a little bit more of a three, four edge rushing front kind of guy. He definitely is that dude for them. They need to get a defensive end. He's a big-time get. They still could use a guy like a Philip Webb or a Savelle Smalls, who's just a pure speed rush end type. But Mormon Joseph addresses a big need, and he's an excellent player, probably the best player that could get at that position at this point in time this year. Yeah, and uh, you guys did a great job of uh, talking about what he brings. So I'll just, to close it out, I'll just tell you how his recruitment kind of went. He committed to UF on February 15th and made his first visit over, over to FSU on April 6th. Then he made another one, and that was on June 20th, and I think that's when we kind of all got the feeling that, hey, FSU's really in it. Um, he was still committed to UF afterward. 
I know Chris and I both spoke to different sources that told us that kind of gave us the heads up, like, Hey, Odell's going to flip this kid. It's going to happen. Um, sure I thought enough, Odell I'm, couldn't recruit anymore. Well, that's what they said, Brandon. You can't listen to them though. <laughs> Pimp was also involved in this recruitment. I know we love to beat yeah. up on Pimp, but Pimp had resurgence of resurgence this weekend. Pimp's going to be involved the, the in this D- recruitment. He's going to be the D Generation X uh, uh, suck it uh, gif in the next. Well, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. <laughs> Pimp, All right. Pimp so should be feeling good 5th, about himself. On July 5th, Morvin Joseph made it official. He decommitted from Florida. That was a weird day because I think Florida got like two commitments and a, two decommitments, or it was something like that. But um, And Jaheim Bell was also a decommitment de- that day. So, anyway. He made it back to FSU. Um, I think we all felt like they were in a good spot, and we knew that the the main competition was coming from Tennessee. But in his exit interview, he he spilled the beans all over the place. Um, it was a moment when you know what's happening, but you know you can't really say it. So he didn't get, really give us the timeline on when he was going to announce it. He just said very soon with a big smile on his face. So we just assumed he was waiting on the edit. Um, but now that K camps in house doing the edits, uh, these commitments are coming a little quicker. So he pulled the trigger, got it done. I think Tennessee is a team to keep an eye on, but I don't know right now that they're a real threat to flip him. Anything yeah, to add I there? Josh on that. I don't, that I don't really have anything to add on more than beyond that. I mean, he, it was an FSU-Tennessee battle. The visit before this one really swung it towards FSU, and they closed the book on it with this visit. And it was important to do that. Uh, similar to Schrader, it's about addressing a need, getting it done before you hit the dead period, setting yourself up for success, presuming you can keep it together on the field this season. Right. Stick that in your pipe and smoke it, Jeremy Pruitt. All right, so if we – well, let's go back. So on Thursday we recorded our SNL preview podcast. Uh, and we had talked about some potential surprises, guys who may show that we weren't sure. Uh, of course, we were able to get more and more confirmation after the podcast and, and more news developed. That's just how that works. Uh, and yet there still were some some pleasant surprises. I guess for Josh, I'll start with you. What was the – if you could think back to Thursday and you're, if you can recall like who we were trying to confirm at that point, who was the guy who showed up that you weren't expecting or that you thought was significant? Is there one – was it Isaiah Walker? Was it Jalen Knighton? There, there were a handful of guys who showed up who ended up making this a really nice weekend. Yeah, you know, if you go back two weeks, certainly Jalen Knighton, certainly Isaiah Walker. As it got closer, um, kind of became more evident that it was going to be a, a good weekend. And then when we when we saw guys like Kayvon Lee, Desmond Tisdall make made another trip in in what two three weeks oh no sorry that was at the end of june that he was here so right um getting willis on campus i mean all these guys it just really came together um seeing savelle smalls there hanging out having a great time with jeff sims was a good sign um savelle smalls really comfortable on campus that was uh real quick and i want to ask chris the Mm -hmm. the same question that you kind of tiptoed around there josh is do you remember last year with, and I know it's two different guys, but they're going to be parallel with defensive players from the West Coast. You remember Kayvon Thibodeau when he was uh, at SNL last year? Do you remember him, Josh, kind of being by himself? He was a little bit more aloof uh, with his posse. Uh, that's something I recalled uh, sticking out to me. Yeah, is, and I think Savelle Small's relationship with Trayshawn Harrison kind of breaks that down mm-hmm. uh, because he's able to go off with Trayshawn and hang out with him you know, throughout the night, stay with, stay with him and just kind of be a part of the team. So definitely. But 
but no, he was even hanging out with guys who weren't Trey Sean. I thought that's what was maybe yeah, significant. And, and the fact that like he greeted Jeff Sims when Jeff Sims walked up instead right. of the way around. He right. welcomed it, him to campus. That it, was great. It was different for for our listeners who don't know who who Smalls is. He's I don't know what he's ranked right now. He's, he's a five star. One outside backer in America, I believe he's number nine overall. Nine or number four. Yeah, overall, somewhere. So so he's a top ten prospect nationally, oh, yeah. and he looked the part. Like he. He was as big as Quayshon Fuller was, and he plays outside linebacker. Quayshon Fuller's a, a defensive end, defensive tackle type, and he was uh, same size, similar shoulder, you know, shoulder width, uh, and it was hanging out with Quayshon Fuller, uh, Derek McClendon, Curtis Fan, and, and like Josh said, having having a good time. I thought that was a, an important guy to get on campus for what seventy two hours, and, and he seemed to enjoy himself. That was big. I think FSU did a good job there to solidify it. Didn't he tell you, Josh, on the yeah, he- on the Facebook Live that? He's uh he's definitely coming back for the yeah. official. Yeah, there's a there's a part on the Facebook Live where I asked him uh, if if he would take an official to Florida State, and he just oh yeah, of course. But like, you know, he looked at me like I was crazy. So that's a good sign, uh, yeah. guaranteed to come back. Um, and I think Savelle Smalls has shown that he's a man of his word. So even if FSU maybe stumbles out of the gate or something, I, I still think Savelle Smalls is going to be back in Tallahassee before it's all over. Yeah, he, he wants to see improvement on the field. He talked about that during the exit interview today. He said he would probably be back in January for an official just because the high school schedule for him, the two weekends in season where he could take an official to FSU, they're on the road boat for those weekends, so it doesn't work out for him. Um, he's got buckets of personality. I mean, he's a kid that's really well-rounded, very intelligent, great football player, gets the game, but also gets like kind of the brand of his personality. And the fact that he's probably a dude that's bound for being a very high draft pick if everything pans out the right way. So he kind of understands, you know, the game he's playing at multiple levels. And for FSU, the relationships there, he loves David Kelly. He enjoys Willie Taggart company. He's got a best friend in Tallahassee. He's comfortable around the team. He's comfortable around the program. He's comfortable around the building and the people that aren't part of the program, but are around that building. The key for him is FSU has to show improvement on the field. He straight up talked about the need to see him better on the field, and he believes they will be better based on his experience over 72 hours he was in Tallahassee. But at the end of the day, they have to do it. It's kind of similar to KT last year mm-hmm. where he, you know, his entertainment of FSU as a true destination kind of withered away as their record went bad. Yeah, for sure. Um, before we move on, are we going to ignore the uh... – those two ring rings that are just hanging out there in the universe. We're going to take a quick break. Hear a word from our spot. Shut up, everyone. Shut up. We're going to hear from our sponsors. Chris quiet. We're going to do some ASMR ads and we'll be right back after this. Introducing the two way V4 where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance with fuel cell. Each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return paired with fresh foam experience, maximum comfort throughout the game. It's lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. 
Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, there are two, not one, but two ring rings just floating out there in the ether, just just dangling out there for anyone to grab and to, to mm-hmm. report on, and and it hasn't hasn't technically been reported on yet, but but I think I think uh, the the Twitter sphere has a good idea of what's happening, uh, and I want to kind of be delicate as we talk about this because you want to respect what recruits how they want their process to be, and this is the one time in their lives they get. Uh, a cool opportunity like this theoretically and, and you don't want to jump on it but uh, it is kind of well known that FSU is going to get two more commitments expect within the next 48 hours we're recording this on Sunday evening I'm going to throw this to Chris because he's the closest thing that we have to an adult right now to handle this oh. delicately sorry Josh I mean he has two kids and your hair is really long Chris what can you say about the two ring rings uh, is it is it out of line for me to say that FSU is going to get some help at the skill positions in the next couple of days here? Yeah, it's going to continue the narrative of addressing needs and adding good talent before the dead period. Uh, kind of laying the scene. Willie Taggart puts out a tweet regarding four ring ring. At that point, we know one is Mormon Joseph, two is Thomas Schrader, three and four aren't known. In the building at FSU at the Moore Athletic Center at that point in time on Sunday, there were about a half dozen guys. Oh, so, sorry, real quick, Chris. Will, Willis wasn't one of the ring rings, just to clarify. No, he did his the night. He before. had put out a ring ring the evening before for Lloyd Willis. Okay, all right. So all Lloyd right, Willis had his own ring ring. Lloyd Willis was personally taken care of by ring rings. Um, so he puts out <laughs> the four ring rings. Two are known, two are unknown. There's about a half dozen guys in the building. Savelle Smalls is one of those guys. Jalen Knight is one of those guys. Brian Robinson is one of those guys. Um, I, I think Keziah Holmes was still in the building, possibly at this point. So there's a few. Now, we know before the visit ever happened, Jalen Knight is planning to announce on Tuesday evening on a radio show in South Florida, Tony Sands show. He's announcing alongside two teammates. It's FSU Ohio State for Jalen Knight, and all those things are known walking into the visit. Ohio State had to lead when Jalen Knight arrived in Tallahassee. Jalen Knight said as much to me today when we spoke briefly that Ohio State led after that June official visit. He wants to make his announcements Tuesday, but it will be a surprise at this point if FSU is not the destination. Jalen Knight very much enjoyed the visit. I think FSU did a great job with him. He's also a kid that tends to lean towards the last visit he took. That's kind of been the consistent theme in his recruitment that the last visit is one he's really feeling after that visit. He's been FSU's top target at the position. It was extremely important for them to get him back on campus. He spent all day Saturday there well into Sunday. The family, him, Pimp, all get along really, really well, Coach Pimpleton. He's just a guy that FSU, they, they're determined to get and they need to get and they feel like they're going to get at this point. The other one we believe is Brian Robinson. Brian spoke to us on Saturday evening at the conclusion of Saturday Night Live, said that he was going to wait, that FSU Florida Pitt were a few of the main contenders. He's been to Pitt on an official, but we don't really believe Florida is much of a player there, so it's really an FSU Pitt deal at that point with him. Bama has been in it, Florida has been in it, but in reality, it's FSU Pitt. When his, he came back on Sunday along with his family, his dad was on a visit for the first time. They did the whole tour. He finished the tour and declined interviews and got immediately in his car. I believe he wants to get home, speak to his mother, who's been here previously with him on visits before he goes out and does anything public. 
But FSU's been the leader there. His relationship with Ron Dugans is outstanding and has been. Big reason he committed to Miami originally was Ron Dugans. So we we fully expect him to end up at FSU. We believe the timeline has accelerated greatly from what he told us on Saturday, which was waiting it out to something that's much more likely to happen in the next few days after he speaks to his mother, sits down with his family, and you know goes ahead and does it. Now, sometimes a guy will reconsider, but when that happens, you know, usually a guy's ready to go when he leaves the building and has talked to the coaching staff and we believe given it's work to them. So we expect those to be the two, but they're going to be allowed to make their announcements as they want to see. As I said, Knights will come Tuesday evening. Zach will be there for two, four, seven for North two, four, seven. We expect that at this point, Chris ball is very much swung towards FSU. Brian Momsen's crystal ball has been heavy FSU for a while. That trend has continued. We don't have specifics on when he may make an announcement, but we believe it's coming sooner rather than later. I know I was long winded, there you go, Josh. I, I had too many bottles of bourbon when Chris started talking, and now I have. Uh, yeah, well, let me hold on. Let me get some words in so Chris can breathe. Okay. Um, go rolling back to Jalen Knighton. I want to ask Chris a couple questions here. You, you, uh, you don't usually flip your crystal balls for no reason, and you put yours on Ohio State, and and that's for good reason. Um, and got everyone pissed off at Dante yeah, Pimpleton. He yeah, started them. Yeah. A freaking movement. Which but we, I was, so I put, hold on, hold on. So I put my crystal ball in on night and on April 6th. Uh, you put yours in shortly thereafter. So there's yeah. no question Florida state led. They gave it up. They came back. It looks like, you know, right at the, the finish line, they're going to edge out Ohio state for Jalen Knighton. But we got two more days. We got two more days. He's a Deerfield beach kid, South Florida recruiting. We all know how it goes. Do you think there's any chance that we could be in for a surprise on Tuesday because maybe this, you know, the ring ring went out and now maybe Ohio state knows what's happening and they're going to drop some bags. Ditch effort. Oh, sorry. What I do don't think? think a ring ring goes out. I don't think a ring ring goes out unless a kid truly has given his word to Willie Taggart. Oh, and I, I um, no, 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 no. I, and, I believe that. But what I'm saying is by the ring ring going out on, on Sunday, and him making his commitment on Tuesday, I, I am with you. If it goes out, I think it's, it's legit, but until he makes it public, there could be some shenanigans going on in the background. Chris out here saying that rings are cards in stone. Right. And I, Ohio state's going to be banging on his phone, banging on his parents' phone, banging on anybody that has his ears phone, banging on his high school coach's phone. That's the natural order of recruiting. They don't stop, and they're not going to stop when he commits either, even if it's not to them. That's just kind of how it goes. I just think he – I'd be very surprised if he went back on it. I know it can get tough for a guy. We we know plenty of crazy recruiting stories of you know a guy having to go to Kinko's to send a letter of intent because his high school won't send it or something like that. We've heard them all. Or a mm-hmm. mom taking a letter of intent and running out of room. So we've heard crazy stuff. I just think this one may have been put to bed today, and I think the kid is comfortable with where it stands. I, I don't think he's going to waffle. And plus, Ohio State's not going to get him on campus. Like, he knows how great Ohio State is. He's yeah, no, they're definitely not. And right, I, I, I'm just saying, you know, the hand was kind of tipped before the commitment that it's coming, and it kind of it makes him kind of a sitting target for Ohio State to come back in. But I agree with you. I don't think I, – I, I'm just kind of trying to – just stir in the pot. Yeah. Stir in the pot. 
Um, as far as Brian Robinson goes, I think the, the fact that he brought his dad up there after bringing his mom up, after coming up by himself, uh, that kind of completed it. So like you said, Chris, he's going to go home. I think he's going to come up with a plan, whether to announce something in person, radio, Twitter, whatever. And um, I think there's a very good chance that mm, in the next 24 to 48 that we see him commit to Florida State. So we'll just we'll just have to see. But I feel Guys, good about that. That would go ahead, Newberg. No, I feel good about those two right now. As uh, that will the dangling ring rings. That will put FSU at 21 commitments when those two come through. Their class is currently ranked 13, but. Both of those guys will be among their top commitments. Can, can I do the help, Can I do the know. class calculator as we? You, you keep talking, Chris. I'm going to do the yeah, class calculator right now. That's what I wanted to to do. Keep going. I think I think it will put them in like the six seven range. I'm not 100 percent sure on that. I was but told it, it, will, it will be a a noticeable mark that they'll move up a healthy uh, amount. Their average rating will be back over 90, which is a positive. Their blue chip ratio will be higher. Yeah, it, it's it's a good sign. FSU will be at 21 commitments for a class that we think will swell to at least 25, could potentially go a little bit higher than that. Yeah, but they're pretty close to filling their needs. You know, maybe a second quarterback, definitely another running back, maybe two, probably another receiver. So that's three, four guys. Another O lineman is four, five guys. Another D lineman is five, six guys. Maybe one plus one on defense. Beyond that, that's six, seven. Yeah, you're around. 27, 28 at the right. max number. Well, and those numbers have a way of working out. We, we they, need to do a scholarship distribution deal, I think, in the next couple of days on the website. Yeah, and here, here's how it looked last year. What did they sign last year, 21 or 22? It was 21. 21. Uh, okay, so I, 21. Yeah. This time last year, FSU heading into the season had 14 available scholarships um, before attrition, before anybody leaving early, before anybody transferring, before anybody medical DQing or anything like that. So – this year, at the same point, they have 19 available scholarships. So last year, with 14, they took 21. They were, and they probably would have been able to take up to 23 or 24 last year. Um, and this year, they're at 19 before any attrition. So like Chris said, 27, 28. I don't foresee numbers being an issue, meaning when it comes down to uh, signing day, they're not going to turn somebody away that they really want because they don't have space. There's plenty of wiggle room to, to get everybody in this class. So expect a, expect a 25 plus class this year. All right. And hey, just, just for hey, our audience real quick. Oh, part, go ahead, Chris. I, like, you, I was talking. Right, you got, 200, 248.58 number seven class nationally ahead of Miami and Florida. Go ahead. Oh, nice, nice job adding that. That's very Josh Newberg tweeting like. Um, I was going to say, can we bust Josh's balls now about the whole over under on one and a half? Can we do that? Can we have fun with that? Yeah, Josh was wrong. I mean, that. It, it, well, no, 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 no. I was not wrong. I do. Like, <laughs> no, 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 no. It's my mo- It's it's what I live by. I under promise and over deliver, and that's just what happened. Okay. It worked out perfectly. Uh, can we also talk about Josh uh, bragging about his uh, crystal ball percentage? Do you know who, where he is in the Knowles 24-7 uh, staff ranking list out of four matter. of us? It don't matter. You know what my average is? <laughs> yes. 70. You know what I'm shooting at right now? Almost 90. Undersell and over-deliver. I am Good. dialed in. That's all <laughs> right now. All new right. year, new you. Mm-hmm. New, mm-hmm. new. Uh, so if the next 48 hours go as expected, 
uh, FSU's class looks just think about where we were a month ago heading into July. The name of the podcast heading into July was June Gloom. Uh, and they didn't get a bunch of guys on campus, and there were some calculated risks that they took. And right now, as we speak, as I sit here in the hotel bathroom, FSU's gamble looks like it's going to pay off. Uh, I'm fairly, I'm really impressed with where we stand right now. I don't know if that's me being reactionary or not, but, but FSU has done a really good job to hit needs, get impact guys from within its recruiting footprint. You're still seeing a bunch of commits from the state of Florida. I think that's impressive. It's just, uh, again, I, we opened up the podcast with this, but you know, if, if things shake out the way they're supposed to in the next couple couple days here, this is a, a huge moment for Willie Taggart and co. And I know I got Chris's thoughts on it, Josh. Like You and I have done podcasts before where we've been fairly critical on the staff and the recruitment efforts, uh, but but this seems like it's a turning point. Is that is that fair to say? Well, it shows you what, you know, the hype was all about when these guys got here. Mm-hmm. If they can win, just imagine the class, the recruiting classes they can put together. Um, they've never struggled with big visit weekends. Uh, even, you know, every time they put something on on campus, people are showing up and it's still Florida State. And, you know, I just think that maybe they needed a month off in June, you know, maybe they just needed that month off, get them ready for July. Cause it worked. Um, the amount of talent that they got on campus was impressive, but more importantly, like Chris said, the ability to fill some big needs before the season starts alleviates a lot of pressure. Um, the guys that they got, we feel good about and the spots that are still there. They're meant for kind of the bigger targets on the board. They're not entering the season. Um, with flyers out on a Lloyd Willis and still chasing a Thomas Schrader and some of these other guys, they're in the boat, locked them up. Now we move on and try to swing for the fences. And one thing I'd add to that with them being at like 75% or more capacity for 2020, it feels like a first time in their tenure here. Mm, that that they can almost start to try to get ahead with 2021, 2022 kids which is something they've struggled with in years Same. past of being able to get ahead with the younger guys because so many schools are so aggressive with younger guys. FSU's been kind of behind trying to get the current class, and that's hurt them to a degree with the next class when it came time to do that. At this event, and we've talked so much about 2020 guys, they had a boatload of 2021 talent, a good amount of 2022, and a few 2023 kids sprinkled in. And a lot of them were players. I mean, Corey Collier, Jason Marshall were a couple 2021 DB big-time players. Uh, you know, there were a few receivers of that sort, short, uh, sort. Shador Sanders, quarterback, 2021 kid. You know, so there was a nice mix of those type of guys in there where I think they've kind of set themselves up to, you know, get this ball rolling in more than just a 2020 regard. Chris, you actually set up a nicely done. We're going to transition, okay, from from what we know and what we think is – uh, going to happen to more of a reflection on the weekend, a little bit more of the analysis on our end, uh, loose threads, things we haven't talked about yet. Let's start out with uh, Dewan Edwards, the running back from Colquitt County, four-star prospect, a guy that Florida State has kind of turned up the heat on. Uh, we'll lead off with him when we talk about some of the other guys that, that we haven't discussed yet, the guys who aren't technically committed yet, or or uh, we're still trying to figure out where the recruitment stand. I was able to talk to Dewan Edwards, and he said FSU is quote-unquote at the very top uh, for him right now at this moment. 
who put in a crystal ball for him today? Did one of you guys did, correct? I did. I All think right. he's taking the space of Keziah Holmes. Yeah, I, I, I still so expect Holmes to go to Penn State, and I think that's opened the door for him to be a guy. Kevon Lee, Lawrence Tolfilly, there's other guys still in play, but I think Edwards kind of got the green light this weekend for to shorten that up. I just think he got the green light. He did well at the camp. I think they liked him. I think he fits the need that they have at the position in addition to adding a guy like Knighton potentially. Yeah, I, I thought he looked good uh, in the camp as well for a guy who's kind of supposed to be, you know, I thought his reputation was as a power back. He talked a little bit about that afterwards, that he thinks that's how people perceive him. Uh, but he was probably the most impressive running back there in that short you know, hour and a half long camp, which obviously is not the end all be all. But he was more impressive than Jalen Knighton, who was known as more of a, a speedy kind of kind of you know, versatile running back who can catch the ball at the backfield. I thought uh, Dewan looked really, really comfortable doing that and was good in space. So a guy who that's your number two running back in this class, if that does materialize, uh, FSU should feel really good about. Uh, let's see, Josh, you did something on Desmond Tisdale, correct? No. Oh, I who, believe Chris spoke me. to him. Uh, well, I was trying to set you up for something. Christopher, <laughs> do you want to talk about Desmond Tisdale? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he was pretty direct. He said if he got the offer, there's a fair chance he commits to it. He expects to hear from FSU on Monday. They like him as an inside backer, as I spoke on earlier. Woody certainly loves him. I think it's a Taggart decision. It's really a numbers decision in the view of the overall class and him fitting in as a number. We talked a little about maybe a plus one on defense. He could potentially be that, but you're taking four true linebackers if you take him, and you're still potentially adding an outside backer who's a speed rush end a guy like Isabel Smalls, for example, who you're definitely not passing on. So you have to make that decision. But if he gets the offer, he said that he'd really have to give it consideration. I thought he performed very well in the limited time they were on the field for the camp itself. He's done enough, in my view, to be a guy that you kind of go ahead and green light and let it figure itself out in the end. But we'll see how they handle it. Josh, who did you put a crystal ball in for today? There was at least one guy. Was it the Harrell kid from from your neck of the woods? Jalen Harrell, yeah. Uh, and that was just a pro- more of a projection. And okay. one of the big question marks with Jalen Harrell entering the the visit was, you know, is he a take for FSU? Because they viewed him as maybe a bit of a tweener. Um, they wanted to get him on campus and see him. Well, he came to campus, but he didn't work out. He arrived a little bit late, missed the uh, Saturday Night Live event. Um, but what I did witness was the attention that he got. And we've seen guys and 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 come through campus now, and we kind of know the feeling of the guy, the players that staff wants, and the players that you know maybe aren't as high on the recruiting board as others, and the the treatment that they received. And um, one of the things with Jalen Harrell that really stuck out was the fact that he was invited back on Sunday. He brought his mom up, um, and she was with him when they came back to the Moore Center to meet with Willie Taggart. Um, we know Willie Taggart doesn't meet with anybody, just like Jimbo. Um, he meets with the guys that he would consider taking commitments from. And seeing Jalen Harrell on campus, seeing his body, uh, we can all agree that he sort of slimmed down, maybe maybe trimmed up a little bit, toned up. I don't know what you want to call it, but he looked pretty damn good. And the but just between the attention he received – the fact that, you know, I know his mom would kind of like to keep him a little bit closer to home if she could. Um, I don't think this one ends anytime soon. I'm just kind of making this projection here. But I think I uh, think there's a good chance that FSU has two Jalen Harrells in the class. You guys ready for that? Both on defense? I can pronounce the name Jalen. So, yes, <laughs> uh, I'm fine with it. 
let's see. Going down, this is a very smooth transition. We're doing I so I well. That was too. the only other commit, right? The, or the only other. Oh, uh, yeah, that was the only other crystal ball. Uh, I'm trying to think of some other guys I want us to talk about, and I want us to kind of wrap things up here. Uh, my wife is telling me that there's a thunderstorm coming, and she likes to go watch them. So that's what we're going to go do because it's romantic, and that's what good husbands do. So make it snappy. I, I, I can help you out. I'm still on this hyper energy drive that I've had the whole show. There's nothing you quick. Want me help you're, you? you're not going to do anything quickly, but sure, go ahead. Just put me on the clock. They offered Marcus Buford safety. He came with Deion Sanders and Shador Sanders, talented kid. I think at this point, one more DB is all they're going to take in 2020. A guy like him or Jaquez Robinson, who also showed up Alabama mm-hmm. commitment. If one of them wants it, they better go take it because it's going to go away. At linebacker, we kind of talked about it. I think Tisdall was your main guy. That's From true. the younger guy's standpoint, Jamari Budden, 2021 kid, really enjoyed himself. He liked it a lot. Pick he came up. all the way from Michigan. That shows you know big-time interest. We talked about the O-line and D-line. I think Jake Slaughter is the only one we need to mention. He's an interior 2021 lineman. He can snap. He can play center. He's a guy that, personality-wise, I think Clements really liked, and he performed very well at the camp. He got the offer. I think Steve Wilpong actually put in a crystal ball for FSU for him. Uh, we talked about a lot of really good young talent. The best player at the whole damn camp, Agile Hall, 2021 wide receiver from Tampa. A great, great player. Marion Cooper, D.D. from you think, South Florida. I got a question on, on Ajay Hall, Chris. Do you think he's the best wide receiver in the 2021 class? That I've seen, yeah. Okay. I, I, Josh, I gave you crap when you said that he was would maybe be one of the best players in FSU's receiving core like a couple weeks ago. Uh, and then I, I saw him. Know I, was, I know, and I'm here to tell you I was wrong. Uh, I don't. I don't know. Maybe a little hyperbolic, but he's awesome. He was by far. He was easily the best wide receiver there, and there's some really good ones. So, uh, and I, and I got a little inside scoop on that. I know. Uh, sorry to interrupt, Chris, but you've been on a roll. So let me let me get some words in. Um, Guy Hall, I, I asked him directly. You know, why would you? come here Florida State's not your top 12 you just narrowed it down a couple weeks ago you know why make the effort to come back to Florida State and he kind of looked at me he's like always come to Florida State so a message to the fans I wouldn't worry about this top 12 right now it's awfully early um Ajay Hall said he's going to make a decision somewhere between January and May so it'll be um you know when his class comes around he's going to get to watch this entire season of FSU football he's very close with Warren Thompson um sidebar warren thompson looks great i spoke to him briefly he said last year it was really tough moving away from home but he said he grew as a person as a student as an athlete and all that and he realizes that he needs to be away from home um but ajay hall and him spent a lot of time together i believe um maybe two nights of you know kind of hanging out with the team and all that so he'll be back he's going to be back for the miami game and possibly others um Really liked him. Chris, keep keep running it down. What else do we need to know before we get out of here? One other 2021 guy I want to give some love to, Marion Cooper, Lehigh right. High School, Lehigh Senior down in Lehigh, Florida. He was really damn good. He had blue gloves, blue shoes on. I couldn't figure out who he was watching him, but man, I was like, he's good, and I realized it was him. He's actually a guy, shout out to Bud Elliott. He's known him since he was a freshman. He's down from where Bud used to live. Did he's he good. come they with Dion, or was Dion just spending a lot of time with him? No, he didn't come with Dion. The young man who came with Dion was Marcus Buford. I believe Dion may have gone up to Cooper and just mm-hmm. complimented him on a drill that he did, and he did gotcha. really, really well. He was really good. He got an offer tonight from FSU. 
plain and simple. I think they think he's a dog. We know we love hearing that title. Asante Samuel, for example, is a guy that's heard that title description from the staff about how he plays. That kid fits the bill. He was good. He's a dude that watching him, I was like, oh yeah, I would want him on my football team. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, Shador Sanders, I thought was good. I think Shador's a guy athletically who really fits what FSU could do at the quarterback position. Kind of harkens back to some of the stuff Willie's done with his quarterbacks in the past. He's a capable passer, but he's a superb athlete. And then Cade Renfro is kind of an interesting deal. He uh 2020 quarterback from uh, Browse Old High School. That's Old Town Road. Ties to. He, yeah, he, Old Town Road edit boy. He did not do an interview today when he left, but him and Kendall Browse were connected at the hip. Him and Browse spoke at length last evening at the dinner. He returned today with his family, and they spoke at length again. At length again. I, it will be interesting to see how this thing matures. He's a North Texas commitment, but if FSU's in the ballpark of taking a second quarterback in this class, I think he's kind of emerged as the dude that it would be right now. How about, how about my boy, Holden Grenier? Grenier. Great. Very he good. Spins it. Probably, truthfully, threw it the best of anybody at the camp. I mean, Jackson really is very good. That's not, that's not short and thin. Holden just kind of has a cannon on that arm. I mean, he can, he can really push it down the field. All right. Are we good? Do we have everything done here? Is, I, there was a ton to get through, and it's we'll been be an hour-long right podcast. Yeah, oh, yeah, we'll it here. We'll, we got a lot to write this week. It'll be fun. Um, coming out of this summer, it didn't seem like we'd kind of end on this high, but here we are. Makes it a little bit more exciting for Boise State, wouldn't you say? Because you kind of see – what the stakes are all about. If FSU can really put together a bounce back year. No, no pun intended because it's Boise state, Mm -hmm. but it's a blueprint game. Like this is a game that Willie Taggart's blueprint is very much. So I know it's early in his tenure, but it's on the line because if you come out and you lose that game, like the goodwill that you're building up now, fans are going to start turning on you again. we saw that last year pretty quickly, you know, Virginia tech, Syracuse, those early losses amounted. If you go ahead and you win, it makes a difference, man, especially coming off of what we saw this weekend. People start buying in really quickly, I think. So, yeah, it, it, Boise State's big. It makes the whole next month a whole lot more tolerable on the website. I know that much. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Uh, this was not an emergency podcast, but this is when we wanted to get out a little bit quicker than normal uh, and busy travel schedules for well, for Josh. Josh was was driving uh, to and from, and he's moving in the next, what, probably 12 hours from now. So I yeah, appreciate I'm supposed to have the next three days off, and you guys aren't supposed to hear from me, but I'll be there. I'll be all uh, You'll be here because there's stuff to write about, and yes. and it's appreciated. And, and Chris, I know you've been traveling and stuff the last few days and trying to settle back in. So I appreciate you guys being here. I appreciate everyone uh, tolerating the audio quality because, again, echoing in a bathroom with bourbon by myself. Thank you. Don't cut Thank you. Before. All right, I'll, I'll I'll work on that. But uh, I again a big weekend for Florida State as went as well as expected, if not exceeded expectations. Things feel really great right now. Uh, sets up, I think, will be an interesting month coming up with with preseason camp. Chris, when's that start? August second. We coming up right around it here, yeah. right? Uh, I mean, they haven't actually issued the schedule, but yeah, from yeah. what we understand, team reports on August first, and they start practicing on August second, but. We'll hopefully get an official schedule in the next day or two. If you guys appreciate Chris taking time away from his two adorable young sons and 
and Josh basically getting home, ignoring his girlfriend, and, and having to uh, to jump on the podcast after not seeing her for a couple days. And here for a couple days. And oh, now I'm no plug it back in, Josh. Plug it back in, Josh. We're echoing. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Just so Sorry. close to almost being done. Just the oh, no. ADHD just, just couldn't get it. Almost <laughs> Damn it. That Knowles 24-7's On the Bench podcast, Spread It's <laughs> Known, five-star reviews, Josh Newberg, Chris Nee, stick in the landing. Bye.